Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Daniel Craig, James Bond, is worth $160 million. He's doing all right. Yeah. But he says his kids get nothing. Wow. When he dies because he doesn't believe in inheritance. He says, I don't want to leave great sums to the next generation. I think inheritance is quite distasteful. My philosophy is get rid of it or give it away before you go. There's an old adage that if you die a rich person, you failed. So him and his wife, Rachel Weiss, have a daughter together who will be three next month. Right. He, uh, Daniel Craig, also has a 29-year-old daughter from a previous relationship. Rachel has a 15-year-old son. Those three kids are getting hooped. Hmm. Now, it could be more of a legal uh, taxation thing in that a lot of wealthy people are starting the uh, the deal of giving their kids gifts of money before their death. Yes. Maybe he doesn't believe in leaving it all to them. Maybe he's giving it to them or putting it aside or doing something for them. Because at $160 million, you got three kids. You can't leave them each even like a million bucks? Yeah, well... And give mean, the rest away to charity? It started with Warren Buffett, right? Yeah. The giving fund. But even he... You know, had his billions. He was giving his kids some, yeah, just not all. Sure, and because there's only a certain amount that he could give before all that taxation kind of hits as mm. well. And then, you know, because of estate taxes in the states, where you've, you lose like half of your wealth to the government should you die with it. Mm. That's why they were pledging to give it away before they die. It's just funny how some wealthy people look at it one way and others look at it another. We we just had the story when Lowry left the Raptors and his comment was, I want to secure for not only my family now, but for my generations to come, I want to secure their future. Yeah. You're those those who say, I, I'm doing this for my children and my grandchildren. I want them to be taken care of. And I understand that you don't necessarily want your kids just to be slugs who sit around and wait for you to kick it so that they can just live the lifestyle they want to live. Because part of, uh, you know, your uh, ego and your pride in yourself is pulling up your own bootstraps and all of that. Um, So I I do get that. Yeah, but I think, you know, part of the difference, too, in a situation like Kyle Lowry's growing up in Philadelphia Maybe he saw what poverty really was. Yeah. Right? Sure. Uh, where, you know, Daniel Craig, I'm not sure what his background right. was, but perhaps he didn't really know what it was like to be in, you That's know, right. in true poverty. That's right. So, you know, giving, you don't have to give all, but, you know, leave some. I'm, Listen, I'm I'm a fan of inheritance, Dad. If you're listening, yeah. well, but, I'm sure he's heard it. But uh, but no, but but my listen, my all with all due respect to my parents, they've earned it. They they've earned their their livelihood. They've mm-hmm. earned their careers. They've earned the the right to spend it the way they want to. You know, <laughs> wouldn't mind a bit. <laughs> Don't have to spend it all. <laughs> but but certainly, I mean, as they entered retirement, that was it. This is. Man, he worked hard. Mm. And and I realize that now, how hard he worked. Mm-hmm. So enjoy it, by all means. Mm. You know, not all of it, but enjoy. <laughs> Remember when uh, airlines started charging people for carry-ons, and now they charge you for just about everything uh-huh. on a flight? Well, now, hotels might be getting into that little game. There's a company called MCR Development, and they own about 100 large hotels And they've been testing out the a la carte business model. Around a dozen of their hotels are now charging 25 bucks to use the pool. What? 20 to check in early, 20 to check out late, and an additional fee to use the gym 
They claim it's going to allow them to offer rooms at a slightly cheaper rate. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Well, I'll tell you what. As a as a fellow whose kids have now grown up, uh-huh. the idea of charging at the pool, I like it. Of course. Because you're going to keep all those little rugrats out of it so <laughs> I can enjoy it. But, well, and, and here's the thing. If if, if the room was 150 bucks yeah. and you're going to drop it down to 100 now and give you the option, that's one thing. But you know it's not going to go like that. Oh, no, no, no. It'll charge 140 bucks. Yep. Oh, yeah, capitalize. for sure. Hey, think about it. I mean, that that seems like a lot, too. 25 bucks to use the pool. That's now, seems... maybe that's per room. Maybe that's per room. Per room for the entire stay. Yeah. yeah. You, would, you would hope. You're not per person. I mean, my gosh, that's $100 for a family of four. I, mm. That seems a bit uh, a bit much. But, I mean, there are little, like, are they going to charge you now for, for extra soap and shampoo? Probably. Uh, are they going to charge you for extra key? Yep. I'm surprised they haven't done that in the past, but, you know, Keys, I guess, get handed back in. I don't know. Don't well, it's all the swipe now. cards now, right? Right now, you just use your phone in some hotels. Yeah, that's right. You don't even have to. Uh... And still, the ho- uh, the motels are uh, doing quite well. Even though COVID is starting to uh, decline slowly, uh, the uh, the motels. And I think you, COVID's one thing, but I really think Shits Creek helped in the revitalization of the motel. <laughs> I think so many people... And probably of a certain age, have never been in one. Like, I remember when I was a kid, we'd go up to uh, Wasega Beach or Woodland Beach, up up in that area, mm. township of Tiny. And uh, and we would stay. That's all they had up there was, like, roadside motels. And that would be, like, kind of the family vacation when I was quite young. You know, yeah. we'd go up there for a week and stay in a motel. And, uh, yeah, people for the decades now, I think the motel has been on the way out. But it has had a revitalization, I think, because of COVID, because... You don't have to walk through lobbies. You can go right to your room. It's uh, your own air conditioning, your own space. Right. And I really do think the well, cast of Shit's Creek helped out. I think, too, a, a lot of it, though, is just about maximizing room space, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, it started with the motel, and then, you know, they were adding a second or third floor mm-hmm. just trying to maximize the number of rooms they put on that property. There's a guy up in Collingwood, and maybe he got the idea from the TV show, but he took an old rundown motel. And he really uh, did it up. He, he Every room is, is like, unique and uh, retro in some way. And he took the parking lot, uh, which had, it had a pool. I think it still does have, have a pool. But he, he, put, um, he put all sorts of plants and boxes and made it look really nice. It's all gravel. And right in the center of it, he put a massive fire pit. Mm. And so every evening... The, the the guests of the hotel, he hosts a big bonfire and the kids all get marshmallows really? and it's supposedly sold out like all the time. No kidding. It's this retro thing to do, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, hey, remember when we were kids? Let's take our kids to a motel. Yeah. Seems to be the thing right now. Well, I saw one in Quebec that I thought was really interesting once and it was... Uh, basically, they look like shipping containers, but mm. on a dock, hmm. right? So, like, you're basically, and and when you look inside, they they look gorgeous. I looked at the website, um, but you're basically sleeping like right on the water. Mm. And cool. uh, you know, for those who are, I guess, making the the trek down the St. Lawrence, and they want to just you know boat right up to it and and park there and sleep, you mm. can. But it looked it looked really kind of just different, right? And yeah. Cool. That's and so like a, like a houseboat. Used to have, people used to rent those like right. crazy. Yeah, and some not even really drive them around. It was more just about partying. <laughs> we were up in the locks between up in uh, up north of Peterborough somewhere, Fenland uh, area, uh, Babe, Bob, Bob Cajun, or yeah. somewhere up there, uh, Buck uh, Buckhorn, right? Yeah, uh, the locks of Buckhorn. That's where we were, 
And uh, we were partying all night in the locks on a three boys houseboat, which I think is out of business now. Shocking. Uh, and the lock master, the boys dropped out. Oh yeah, the uh, the lock master uh, wouldn't let us through in the morning because he was so families around us had been sleep trying to sleep. Yeah, and we had been up all night partying and carrying on. And at five thirty in the morning, we had to do a three point turn of this houseboat. Oh lord. <laughs> In the lock. Yeah. It didn't go well. Especially now when, you know, a three-point turn around about $3 million in boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of boats, actually, I read in uh, some Toronto Life or Toronto blog, something or other, there's a couple who have some sort of fair size yacht, big boat of some sort, and they use it as a, a, a hotel on water yeah. there in the islands, right around the Toronto, uh, you know, Center Island and all of that. And uh, so they do that here in Toronto over the summer, and then they take it and they, uh, they, they go down to the Bahamas in like October, November, and then they cruise it back up in like May or June really? for the summer. Some life, huh? Yeah. Some life. I want to see that gas bill. Well, he obviously doesn't care. <laughs> They're doing okay. Yeah. Here's a good question as school starts back up. Should high school teach kids, students, how to handle money and avoid debt. Absolutely. 1,500 people were asked if they should teach personal finance in school, and almost everyone said yes, and definitely yes. Students were asked after they graduated what type of course would have helped them the most, and money management dominated. Right. I, I find it interesting that we, because I think we've had this conversation before, and I find it odd that it isn't something that's been taught in school and taught for a long time, but it just is not. Now, when I think back to myself as a high school student and being, you know, and I think this is true probably of most teenagers, it would probably for many be in one ear and out the other because we think to ourselves, oh, retirement and all that is a long way away. Mm. I'll worry about that when I get there. But the idea of just learning how, like, a credit card works and how 19% interest <laughs> racks up every month. Uh, yeah, I, well, maybe it doesn't need to be its own complete course, mm. but, you know, at least a module of math mm. could be about, you know, compound interest mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, the, would, putting away a little bit of money and debt mm-hmm. and, and how to avoid it, I I. I could certainly see its usefulness. I, I contend one of the most important courses I took in, in high school was typing, which was done on a typewriter mm-hmm. at that point. We didn't all have personal computers. But I look back on it now, and like, thank God I took that course mm-hmm. because it really helped me later on. No, for sure. I just don't know. Unless you're born into complete wealth and money is never an issue, I just don't know how you ever avoid debt. Like, you would have to live a, a pretty, uh, you know, uh, a pretty basic life, like zero anything going right. on to, to avoid debt. You would have to be Amish, right. I think, <laughs> to avoid and debt. It'd be interesting, though, and because I, I find now in looking at, you know, my generation and certainly younger, mm. people are a lot more comfortable living in debt because interest rates are so mm. low and you don't really feel the impact and right, you can borrow this much and only pay this per month uh, to to pay off the interest yep. or start paying it back that if you learned more about it perhaps it might even spur more people to take on debt mm-hmm. I don't know, it might might have the negative effect instead of 
you know, it's stopping people from taking on debt, living in debt. Could be one of those where you say, okay, well, I'm... I've learned that the benefits of it are you can get what you want and not pay all that much for it. But we certainly live now in a in a me first generation. I want what I want. I'm living my life, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll deal with it later. Not planning for the future. Oh, yeah, there's zero patience. I mean, you can you can drive across uh, from from you know Markham to Brampton from the uh, east end to the west end. Uh, and just look at the rows and rows and rows of subdivisions with uh, European cars in the driveway and young families inside the house and mm. st- stamped concrete driveways and beautiful gardens and pools. And yeah, not everybody is making that kind of dough to pay cash for that stuff. It's it's mostly all on credit and lines of credit. And that has you're right. It, it, this is a more of a me generation now. But it wasn't that long ago. Like I remember my dad certainly. You know, when something had to be done, there was a savings process. Like, you know, we need a new driveway. And I knew he was tucking the money away to pay for the driveway to be paved. But now we just call the guy in and flash our credit card and it's done. It's funny because you have things like, you know, the the fixer-upper term now, right? Which didn't exist before. Every house was a fixer-upper. Right. It's just, you know, sometime in the 30 or 40 years that you lived there, you'd fix things up. Now... It's like, well, we're going to buy it, mm. demolish it, and then move into it. Like mm-hmm. You don't get into it unless it's fully right. you know, catered to your needs. Yeah. I think that's true of anything. Like yesterday, I was, uh, ever since watching this Christina Applegate show, Dead to Me, on, uh, on Netflix, uh, there was a 1965 or something uh, convertible Mustang. And I'd never really been a car guy, but I really fell in love with the look of this convertible Mustang. And so I've kind of been thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have one of those one day? And not that I would probably ever go to pocket for them, because the older they are and the, if they're well-kept, then the more expensive they are. Even even Maria has talked about loving, uh, always wanting a convertible MG. Right. Because those are her maiden name uh, uh, initials. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I just was, you know, I had some time, and I was going through my phone, and I said, well, let's see what one of these would cost, either the MG or the Mustang, and so, you know, they're 12, uh, 18, $35,000, depending on what. And then they had a couple of them that were like 1500 bucks, but totally fixer-uppers like the home, right? Yeah. Well, the me now, I want now in me was like, ugh, I would never spend 1500 bucks. It's going to take me forever to fix it up. I want that polished, beautiful thing in the driveway right now. But the smart guy would say, well, I'll, get the, I'll buy the $1,500, one and then I'll pay to fix it up, and then perhaps it won't cost me as much as a uh, a brand new, beautiful looking one that's all been restored. Yeah, you guys work well together actually because she's the MG uh-huh. and gets the car, and you're the CVV, which is the number on the back of your credit card is going to pay for it. You know, there are some movies, and Lucky knows this. There are some movies that you can watch over and over and over again and never tire of. Did the last night, Few Good Men was on. <laughs> They're called remote drops. Like, like, but it, you really hang in. It comes on and you just drop the remote. I'm like, all right, I'm here. I, I couldn't. There's nothing else I could really find that was on, and I wasn't committed to going to the PVR or find something that was new. Mm. I'm like, and I was right at the scene, right, like mm. the courtroom scene. I got a good one for you on Netflix. Okay, Cocaine Cowboys, the oh. Kings of Miami. These two guys grew up together, kind of in the uh, in the slums of uh, Miami. And in the 80s, they were the kings of cocaine. Okay. They had underlings, guys 20, 21 years old, making 250 grand a month. 
<laughs> selling cocaine. It's a really great documentary. You got to check that out. All right. Anyhow, there are some movies uh, that really you only ever need to see once gotcha. and, and never again. Someone came up with a list of those things like A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Came out in 71. It actually initially got an X rating in the U.S. And the, uh, the therapy, the aversion therapy scenes are pretty difficult to watch. In a movie called Pink Flamingos from 72, I never saw this, but uh, Divine eats a pig's face and dog feces. So I think I'll leave that movie alone. All right. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, of course, Deliverance from 72. Mm-hmm. The rape scene is something you'd need to bleach from your mind. I think for sure, poor Ned Beatty, when he got his copy of the script, that page had to be missing. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think he ever would have agreed. I'm doing what? Wear clean underwear that day, Ned. <laughs> We're gonna see a lot of it. Um, American History X from '98. The curb stomping scene, pretty graphic, right? Hotel Rwanda, the genocide scenes. Yeah, you know what? That's a movie I, I never actually saw. I have a copy of it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and never saw it because we kept saying. Not in the mood. Well, yeah, you, yeah. And and I think the time I find I'm in the mood for a good genocide <laughs> flick, <laughs> I may have some other questions in life. Right. 127 hours from 2010, James Franco cutting his arm off is yes, tough to take. The, well, that was a true story, though, yeah. right? Yeah. The Reverend, of course, Leo getting attacked by the bear. Oh, the Reverend, yeah. Uh, 12 Years a Slave from 2013. Again? Life-threatening. Not, uh, not one of those mood movies. No, there's a re- repeated rapes and beatings. and uh, City of God in 2002, a Brazilian film depicting kids killing kids in street gang warfare. Mm. So, light-hearted flick there. Right. And, of course, uh, Schindler's List <laughs> from 93. <laughs> you guessed, you know. It's it's deeply moving. Won a lot of Oscars, but you've only have, I think I've only sat through it once. Right. You know. How could you? How could I what? You were making out during Schindler's List. <laughs> One of the all-time classics. So good. And who does? <laughs> who does that? You have been pondering, uh, Lucky, a, a tattoo for some time. Yes. Uh, wow. I'm just noncommittal in that yeah. sense. Well, you've got an idea of one you want. Right. You just haven't committed to it yet. Uh-huh. People were asked uh, their uh, their favorite ideas for a tattoo if they were going to get one. Okay. And uh, butterflies seem to top the list right now. I see a lot of those on the birds and butterflies. Mm-hmm. I don't know the significance of them. Semicolon? Uh, that's a suicide awareness thing. I don't think I knew that. No. Sunflowers are big right now. Roses are big. Skeletons' hands. Uh, a koi fish. Uh-huh. Snakes. Right. Lotus flowers. Cross tattoos. All things that uh, people like to get mm. inked on them. All right. Seems interesting. There, there are those who can go and get... One tattoo and call it a day and say, yeah, you know, I got my kid's name or something like that. And uh, and then there's others that when they get started, they just can't stop. They right. want every inch of the body covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is very addictive. It seems to be apparently. for some, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't really understand it. Lorianne might know more about it. Well, her uh, her husband is a tattoo artist. Right. She yeah. has had some ink. She's got a few going. 
How's yeah. your uh, How's your tramp stamp doing? It's wearing thin, <laughs> stretching, <laughs> and the arrow pointing down above your junk that you had. But is it? Uh, well, I have to have that did, pointing down. Did to you get, did you get the legend finished there? Is it? <laughs> it's now the arrow is now turned into the, one of those curvy roads. <laughs> Bumpy road ahead. <laughs> that's a, that's a caution sign. <laughs> I've actually had a big dartboard uh, tattooed on my back because I know you've been slinging arrows at me oh, for years. man. Yeah. I didn't need the target. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.